And okay, uh, turn to the book of Philippians, chapter number four. We'll get into our message here tonight. Philippians and chapter number four. Let's stand together in honor of God's word. Philippians chapter number four. I encourage you, even if you're watching at home, to stand in honor of God's word. Don't get lazy on the couch when it comes to Christianity, right? Amen. Come on now. Uh, we uh, we want to stay at it here. And so um, anyways, just mindful of that. Philippians chapter four. Uh, while you're finding your place there, a business meeting, we decided to move that back. Although, I mean, we've got people here. We could vote on all kinds of things and pass all kinds of stuff, you know, but that just wouldn't be right. So we're not going to do that. February the 16th, a couple of weeks from now, we'll have our business meeting. Main thing we're going to do is election of officers and then going over the financial reports. So that's our two main items uh, that will be a part of that. So obviously moving the business meeting. We also do a uh, annual officers meeting. So those of you that are officers, those watching that are officers, we're going to move that um, meeting to the 24th of February. So that just slides everything back just a little bit. Okay, uh, Philippians chapter number four, let's look at verse number one. And then our text tonight is two verses um, in verses four and five. All right, here we go. Verse one, <clears throat> therefore, my brethren dearly beloved and longed for my joy and crown. He says, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Eodius and Syntyche, and, and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. He's going to get some help in verse 3 as he says, I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of of life. That brings us to our text. In fact, really, what, what we're going to do right here in this part of Philippians is I'm, I'm just going to endeavor to try to follow the Lord's leadership. But if you know, if you know the book of Philippians, you know that we're, we are at a mountaintop, a, a peak uh, in the New Testament, not just the book of Philippians. I mean, it's, it's a helpful, helpful passage. Um, for many of us, and, and um, in its context, I know it will continue to do so. So we're not going to be in a big hurry, although we're not going to slow it down to analyze every single individual word either. We're just going to try to get the, the key idea here. And, and really, this whole unit, verses 4 through verse number 9, is really focused on this, peace. Peace. Peace within, like within us. Uh, tranquility, peace, um, you know, help for a troubled soul is a lot of what Paul is talking about. But then also peace between, between us. All right. So we're going to really work at that. And so tonight uh, we're just going to cover two verses. All right. So look at it. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known. Let your moderation be known unto all men. And here's his a reminder that really has been a reoccurring theme as well. The Lord is at hand. And I believe what he's saying right there is Jesus is coming again. I believe that. And I mean, some say, well, maybe it's just he's present. He's, he's at hand. He's near. Well, that, well, that's always true. But I believe in the context he's saying he's coming again. Yeah. 
He's coming again. So let's read those two verses together. Can we do that? Just two verses. Let's do it. Here we go. Verse number four. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. And so tonight, here's the title of the message. Known for peace. Every independent fundamental Baptist church ought to be known for peace. You say, I don't know if those two terms go together. If those terms go together. Well, they should. They should. Known for peace. Known for peace. And here's the subtitle. Now, you got to keep in mind that this was supposed to be on the night of the business meeting. So here's the subtitle. Church business meetings should be notorious for joy and unity. Church business meetings should be notorious, and thank God can be, for joy and unity. We haven't had a church split here, contrary to how it looks in here. <laughs> We've had a snow day, and that's it. So thank God. May God help us, though. Amen to uh, have peace among ourselves. May God bless reading of His Word as you're seated. Let's consider this here together. <clears throat> Known for peace. Let me ask you this here as we get, get thinking here together tonight. Um, known for peace. Are these known for peace? Church business meetings, I already mentioned, mentioned those, but unfortunately... Even some of you uh, may have been a part of a business meeting that just went south in a hurry. And that, that's no fun. That's no fun. I, I feel like I've been very blessed to be part of churches where that has not been the experience. I want to thank God. I want to ask God to help us to always have that type of meeting. Now, you know, it's not that everybody's always going to see eye to eye on everything. I mean, you, you understand that. But, but we, ought, we ought to be known for our peace. We ought to be known for, for that. Um, how about this? Forums, online forums where people are commenting. Are those, uh, I'm talking about Christian forums. Okay, let me just broaden it out here a little bit. Christian forums or even independent fundamental forums. You know, and sadly, there are sometimes, and I, I don't check these out because I'm trying to have a good attitude. Okay. I don't, I don't check it out. I know there are haters on both sides. There are people that are hating independent fundamental Baptists because yada, yada, yada. Rah. And then there are people, there are independent fundamental Baptists that give them fodder. I mean, they're, they're the ones fueling the flame because they're acting unchristian. Other words were coming to my mind, you know, just like idiots or imbeciles, but I didn't think to say that. And so anyways, but I mean, just not being polite, not being just mean spiritedness. Well, I mean, both of those are wrong. Yeah. Wrong. So, I mean, forums ought to be known if it has the name of Christ attached to it, it ought to be known as peaceful. OK, publications, whether magazines or newsletters or articles, uh, are they known uh, for peace? OK, now. I want to be clear here tonight. I'm not saying compromise for the sake of peace. Absolutely not. Our Savior never did that. Doctrinally, matters of personal separation or any of that, holiness, no way. How about websites? Are they known for peace? I'm talking about Christian websites. How about conferences? A conference that maybe uh, you'd be aware of. Is it known for peace? Uh, and, and thank God tonight. I'm thankful that, you know, our church planning conference was known for peace. It's been known that way. I, I, I'm glad about that. It's, something's working. 
Okay. What I'm saying tonight actually is something's working and it's the Holy Spirit of God working in us. And so we must endeavor, church, uh, to continue to let God work in us so that our conferences would be known for man. I'm telling you, they've got good fellowship there. They look forward to it. There's a lot of peace that's there. Our missions conference isn't known for peace. Wouldn't it be a shame if we had a big old church fight right in the middle of the missions conference? That'd be terrible. Okay. Uh, Christian camps, uh, Baptist youth camps, are they known for peace? And Baptist uh, college campuses, are they known for peace and getting along and, and, and having peace among themselves? Planning meetings. We have a lot of planning meetings right here. I mean, you really have to in order to have, you know, different meetings that are coming up, you know, different committees maybe would meet. You just have to work together. I, I thank God. Uh, my wife just recently conducted a meeting and, and it was done in a quick fashion and it went smooth and it was peaceful. It's awesome. Amen. Absolutely. You can have planning meetings that are peaceful and youth groups are youth groups. Uh, I'm just talking in general. Are youth groups known for peace or are youth groups known for drama? Right. Uh, well, thank God youth groups can be known for peace. And as far as I know, young people in our youth group are getting along. So that's a real blessing. I, hey, wait a minute. We're going to have some moments. Right. We're going to have some moments, but it ought not characterize us. And we work together on that. All right. Uh, Senior Saints Ministry, here it's known as Real People Class. Is it known for peace? Well, it'd be a shame for it not to be known for peace, but be known for uh, cantankerous. Just because you're a certain age does not guarantee you the liberty to be cantankerous. Right? Amen? Uh, how about this? Sports leagues, uh, sports teams, even Christian sports, okay, ought to be known for peace. All right. Emails, text, weddings. We got a wedding. Really, Gary's here. We got a wedding coming up on uh, Friday night. And um, and so I believe it's going to be a peaceful wedding. Amen. Amen. I believe so. The Castiles and Bear family. I, I believe it's going to be a peaceful wedding. That's a blessing. You know, it's sad. It's not always that way. You know, reality television is based on a lot of that. Right. Mercy. Now, Brother J.R. McDonald is involved in this, so I don't know how it's going to go exactly. He's doing part of it, and I'm doing part of it, so we'll have a good time with it. But how about this? Funerals. Funerals. Funerals ought to be a place of peace. I mean, of all times. But have you ever been at one where it got kind of weird? Uh, man, that's no fun. No fun at all. Funerals. And then you think about Christian marriages and Christian families. I, I'm just saying, I mean, there's a lot of areas there. But I believe, obviously, it is God's will for us to be known for peace. Known for peace. Known for peace. Now, obviously, um, there's a reason for us to keep preaching things like this and keep applying things like this. Because if we don't keep preaching, if we don't keep applying it, then we won't be notorious for unity and joy. But we'd be notorious for other things that we don't want to be known for. All right. So, um, here, here is Paul, and he's loving this church, and he's thinking back, no doubt, to when the church was planted. In fact, I just got a text from Brother Rick McQueen tonight, and I, don't, I know he wouldn't mind me sharing this. Um, he just started teaching, by the way, a church planting class at Harlan. Isn't that awesome? You know, just seven years ago, you know, the church getting established there in Shawnee, and 
And uh, he was so hesitant to teach that class just because he's saying, you know, Brother Gaddis, I mean, what? I don't know everything about it. And I, I just said, Brother Rick, you're the closest one. You got to come. No, that wasn't the only reason. I love Brother Rick. I love his spirit and his attitude. But, but here's what he shared with me. He said that uh, looking back on their budget from this last year, I think it was over $22,000 they were able to give as a church to our, to our sent missionaries. So now think about that. We, we sent him out to evangelize and people were saved and now people were gathered together. And now they, as a independent fundamental Baptist church and indigenous church, they are supporting missionaries sent from their mother church. It works. It works. He said the first day of class, I asked him last week, how did the first day of class go? He said, well, it took me about an hour and a half to go over the syllabus and to tell the story about what happened in Shawnee, you know, and how that even a, uh, the tornado resulted in a church plant. Isn't that wonderful? Thank God for that. Well, they're known, they're known for peace there in, in Shawnee. Paul was concerned. He was concerned about their present situation. He was concerned about their future. He referred to them as his joy and his crown. And, and so I trust that you think about your church that same way. And, and so to be what we ought to be as a church, we've got to stand fast and we got to stand united. That's what we looked at last week as we came through these verses. And, and uh, you know, folks, uh, tonight I, I know that we all know that we need unity. Uh, we know that by theory, but sometimes when it comes to application, isn't it a challenge? We know we need, we know we need unity. We know we need unity within a marriage. We know that. We want that. You desire that. But then when it comes down to the nitty gritty of it, sometimes it's a challenge, right? Anybody want to stand and give a personal testimony here tonight? We got, no. Okay, fine. We'll move ahead. The difference between theory though and application can really be challenging. What I'm saying is, is we know that we need unity within the church, but when it comes right down to it, uh, there are some things that are going to challenge the unity. And what we've got to be mindful of is how Satan might try to get in to divide the church and dis disrupt the unity. So being mindful of that. It's never pretty nor healthy for Christians to be in conflict with each other. We've got to work through that. Well, Paul went to naming names, didn't he? He said, I beseech Yodius and I beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. He was beseeching them. Um, I, I want to say this as we get into the message here tonight and remembering what we've already covered. These were not troublemakers. Yodius and Syntyche, they were not troublemakers. In fact, they were faithful servants, but they had some kind of a disagreement and their disagreement was hindering the unity within the church. And so Paul's saying, hey, if you're going to go forward, you got to get that reconciled. You got to get that taken care of. Um, and so they were not in positions of leadership necessarily, though they were in a position of influence. And everyone here tonight and everyone watching by live stream you may not be in a position of leadership sitting up here in one of these chairs or leading a choir or leading some other ministry. But I'll tell you this, because you're a member of this church, you have a measure of influence in this church in terms of unity. Does everybody listen to this? I know we're a small crowd right here tonight. And I trust people back home watching. You're saying amen as well. 
I was kind of trained for this during the COVID days of preaching just a pew. So I'm, I'm not really intimidated by <laughs> the number of pews uh, that are here um, because I, I, know, I know this is what we need to hear right here. Paul didn't take sides. He didn't say, now, I'm on Euodius' side on this one. I, I got to tell you, Syntyche, you're wrong. He didn't do that. He said this, I beseech Euodius and I beseech Syntyche, you all work this out. Work this out. This is so important. Resolve this. You know what keeps us from working things out? Am I, am I preaching tonight to people who have had conflict in life? I think we all have. You know, you know what will keep you from working it out? Pride. Stubbornness. Selfishness. Am I right about this? Those things, ambition, your ideas, your ambition, that'll keep you from working it out. Conflicts will arise. I'll tell you why conflicts arise, okay? I'm just going to stick with my notes here a little bit. There's some important things I think we need to kind of cover um, that, uh, that are worth us giving consideration to here tonight. Conflicts will arise. Here's why. Because we are partially sanctified people. Every one of us. I thought about it, you know, there, there were conflicts during the days of Burt Harrison as he was pastor here. And there were conflicts during the days of Sam Davison. And I could say, well, see, that's on them. They're partially sanctified. But you know, as I looked in the mirror today, I tell you who I was looking at, a partially sanctified pastor. Right? And I'm preaching to you as a partially sanctified people. And so as long as Southwest Baptist Church is made up of partially sanctified people, we're going to have some issues. But as long as Southwest Baptist Church is spirit-filled, we'll work through those issues. That's what it takes. And so conflicts will arise. And here's, here's our main point uh, last week. If we're going to stand together someday before the Lord, and we will, if we're going to stand together before the Lord, then we ought to be able to sit together in the pew. Yeah. Sit beside each other in the pew and... Uh, work together in the ministry and pray together at the altar. All right. So we ought to be able uh, to do that. Now, here's why before we get into the verses tonight, which really is application again. All right. This is heavy on application right here. Um, he says the reason that you need to do that, the reason why Euodius and Syntyche, why y'all need to, y'all, <laughs> why you need to work this out is because the gospel and its furtherance depends on it. Missionaries depend on us standing fast and standing together in unity. Everybody listen to this. Missionaries depend on us to stand together in this. And, and then the lost that are coming. I mean, we had a good number of guests on Sunday and a good number of them came back Sunday night and a good number of them made their way over to the chili supper to enjoy some fellowship with us. And, and I don't know if they're saved or lost. I didn't get to meet all of them, but I, I'm thankful tonight for this. They went over there and they saw a church that was getting along together and fellowship and having a great time. Man, that's a good testimony. We're known, we're, I'm, I'm trying to be careful right here because in, not in a prideful way, but, but by the good grace of God to His glory, we're known for unity. We're known for having a good spirit. And so the gospel depends on that. The future of Southwest Baptist Church, let me just get real personal here tonight. 
depends on you standing fast in the Lord and standing together in unity. It depends on everyone that's here. Now I'm getting real personal and there's only a few here in the crowd, but I'm mindful of the fact that there's others that are watching, you see? And so we, we've got to stand fast in unity. And the future of the church, I'm telling you, the future of the church depends on us being unified together. So now in this next section, as we look at it in verses four, just through verse seven, but I want to point out a couple of things. I'm sorry, through verse number four and five, but I want to point out, look at the verses again and notice, notice the emphasis on peace, the peace within. I'm talking about within you as an individual believer, because we're not going to have peace within the church body if we don't have peace within our own lives. Are you following me? If we don't have peace in our hearts and in our minds towards the Lord. But notice he says in verse number four, rejoice. In verse number six, he says, be careful for nothing. In other words, don't be so anxious about everything. Don't be worried. We're going to take some time and deal with worry because even as believers, we can struggle with worry. God's got an antidote. God's got an antidote. In fact, I like what one individual said. He said, let your moderation be known to all men and let your request be made known to God. Okay, let your moderation be known to all men and let your request be made known uh, to God. So there's be careful for nothing. Verse number seven, the peace. You see it in verse seven at the latter part of it. The peace that passes all understanding. In verse number eight, after he talks about all those things that we are to think on. And, and then verse number nine, how that we're not only to think right, but to live right. Then he says, and the God of peace. Did you see that at the end of verse number nine? The God of peace. So it's peace, peace, peace throughout. It's quite a passage. I love it. Can't wait to get further into it. All right. So it's evident. I'm sorry. Let me, let me back up and say it this way. If it is to be evident to the world that we're at peace among ourselves, then there's got to be a peace in our hearts. Okay. So how do you get that? Well, just to further reiterate a few things here, increased opposition really meant they've got to stand together. There was pressure from the outside. And then obviously there was also pressure from within. And so Paul is saying, listen, these, these situations are, are troubling you and you got to know how to handle them. Uh, just, just a quick quote here. This passage speaks primarily to those occasions of life when peace is lacking. What do you do? What do you do? That's what we're trying to deal with here tonight. What do you do when peace is lacking? What do you, what do, you do when you and somebody else maybe aren't getting along? What, what do you do when peace is lacking? And what do you do when peace is lacking in your own heart? Uh, there's a, a series that Jim Berg did called uh, Quieting a Noisy Soul. Quiet, I haven't taken the time to um, listen to that series. I've read a book that's related to it. More than enough, God is more than enough. But I, from what I've heard from those who have gone through that course, it is a fantastic course about quieting a noisy soul. You know, sometimes we just need God to quiet our soul down. Because a noisy soul makes for a noisy church. You got it? Okay. So Paul is saying, listen, you need to have the type of an environment in the local church setting. And we certainly could apply this to family. I hope you don't think I'm neglecting application there because it certainly does apply. In fact, in many ways, it starts in the 
in your individual life and in your family life, and then whatever you have going on there kind of comes to right here. Okay? So certainly we need to do some preaching on, on that for all of us. But here's the point. If, if we will have the type of environment here among us that is one of peace, then the God of peace is here among us and will help us to further the gospel and to further our peace among ourselves. Okay, but if we allow some kind of a little wedge to come in here, and sometimes it doesn't take a lot, does it, folks? To come in and cause some kind of a problem, and it could be over the color of carpet or the color of drapes or whether you have drapes or not. It could be over all kinds of things that could come in and drive a wedge there that just are piddly things that don't matter. That's sad. In fact, uh, Wednesday night after last week, some came out in the foyer and said, you know, I, my church went through this and it was over such a piddly little thing. That's sad. I think more churches have been split, not because of doctrine even, but because of personality conflicts and because of, of issues that they just didn't handle right. So I'm praying that God would use this as preventative or corrective, however God chooses to use this. Okay, so peace is so important. What do you do when it's lacking? Well, let, let, me, let me tell you just these two things. And um, you, you're saying it's two verses. Maybe it won't be very long. <laughs> Maybe it will. <laughs> but but I, I, we just need to cover this, whatever it takes. But here, here's the, the first point. Peace within the church begins with rejoicing in the Lord. Now, oftentimes I think what happens in verse 4 is it gets isolated just by itself. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. But before verse 4 is verse 1, 2, and 3, and after verse 4 is the, those that follow. And the context is getting along as a church family. Getting along within relationships, whatever they may be. And he says this, rejoice. Now here's a man in prison saying to us, rejoice. Here's a man who's about to pass because Nero's going to take his life. And he's saying rejoice. So he knows what he's talking about. And he didn't say rejoice in your circumstances. Everything will be all right. No, he said this, rejoice in the Lord because he doesn't change. Rejoice in the Lord because he's always good. Rejoice in the Lord because he's great. In fact, I like what one person said. How can you think about God and not rejoice in the Lord? In fact, I believe this. I believe all of our conflicts show up because somewhere we're not rejoicing in the Lord. Could you be rejoicing in the Lord and have conflict? Well, I, I understand you may see things differently, but, but, but if there is true rejoicing in the Lord, then it gets worked out. Otherwise, there's pride there. Only by pride cometh contention. Isn't that right? And selfishness. What did James say? Where from whence cometh wars and fightings among you? Come they not of your own lust, which war in your members? And so James is saying, listen, the reason that you're having this conflict here is because you've got desires. He's got desires. She's got desires. They've got desires. And it's conflicting. And you're, you're hurting the unity of the church. So he's saying, listen, Paul is saying here, back to Paul, he says this, rejoice in the Lord. And that will be, actually, that will be the key to solving any conflict. You're not convinced? Again, I say rejoice, Paul says. This is so important that we go back to having our joy in the Lord because otherwise we get our focus on, I want my way. 
I want to be right. Well, when you want your, your way and you want to be right, then you're not rejoicing in the Lord. You're rejoicing in you or you want to rejoice in you. Is this making sense to everybody that's here? I can't see those of you watching live stream, but is this making sense to you? I trust that it is. Um, that it's got to start right here. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Because all those other things that we get our mind on really is robbing us of our joy. Okay, let me say it to you this way. I've never had to sit in a place of arbitrating or mediating a situation, whether it's a married couple that comes in for counseling um, or whether it's some other conflict that's come up. I've, I've never counseled two people who were genuinely both rejoicing in the Lord. I thought long and hard about it today in thinking, have I ever had anybody come in and say, you know what, we're not getting along because we both love God so much. Yeah. <laughs> and we just really both are wanting to serve the Lord so much. I, I, I haven't had that. The Raspberry, you pastored a good while. I mean, that, I, that didn't happen, did it? Brother Seth, you've had young people that you've counseled. I, I don't think it's been because this young person and this young person, they both were rejoicing the Lord and that brought conflict. No, it was over some trivial matter, wasn't it? Or some over, something, you know, that they thought they weren't treated right or they were overlooked or, or they didn't get their way about this or that. Isn't that right? Well, I mean, really, we cannot go to verse five until we start with verse four. We've got to get our joy back in the Lord because otherwise our focus is off and, we, and it won't read like this, letting your moderation be known to all men, but it'll be your strife being made known to all men and your conflict being made known to all men. And you'll be notorious for a church fight. I remember Brother, Brother Copes was here tonight and I remember uh, that Medivy Baptist Church went through quite a fight, Brother Copes, not while you were there, but uh, not as a result of you being, let me be clear here. Prior to Brother Copes coming, in fact, the pastor, if I remember this right, Brother Copes, I mean, the, the gentleman had been through such a battle um, that when Brother Copes came to fill in one day or came to preach, actually, the pastor was there and he tossed the keys to Brother Copes and said, here, here's the church keys, you take it. Is that right? You be pastor. <laughs> you be pastor. <sighs> Think about that just a minute. Right? That church got in a bad way. In fact, here's what happened. It got in such a bad way. I don't know what they were running prior to that, but they got down to five widow ladies and then one family that was kind of hit and miss. But those five widow ladies said this, as long as you're here and as long as I'm here, we're going to keep this church together. And one of them took up the offering and they prayed together and that's about all they did. They didn't do any preaching, in case you were wondering, <laughs> until Brother Copes came in and started preaching. Then the church started growing in about 125, 150, somewhere right in there. I mean, we had some big days and there was unity that was there. I'm telling you, God turned that whole church around. He can do that. He can do that. But something led to that pastor saying, man, I'm tired of this fight. And it was, it was part of it was a, a deacon. Doesn't always start with a deacon. We got good godly deacons. I want to thank God for the deacons that we have here. Brother Sam told me, he said, you come to the pastor here, you're going to love the men that you're working with as deacons. And, and that has certainly been the case. But there was a battle because, uh, anyways, just some things I don't want to get into, but it was a battle. That's, that was happened. Here's what happened. Basically, somewhere along the line, somebody stopped rejoicing in the Lord. Verse five. Not only is rejoicing in the Lord key to this and having peace, but also this handling matters properly. 
handling matters properly between the church. Look at verse 5 again, if you would, please. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, what, what does moderation mean? That, that would be the question that we need to deal with. And, I, and you know, I don't, I'm not going to be real lengthy, but I do want to be very clear. Moderation. Okay, so you look up the word moderation in English, first of all, right? Look up the word moderation. What's it going to say? To be moderate. <laughs> Man, that was helpful, right? But it really it is. Okay, let me think about this. Or, uh, let me go a little bit further. Restraint, avoidance of extremes, moderate, you know, moderation. But, but let, me, let me throw another term at you. You ready? Moderator. What's a moderator supposed to do? Well, a moderator is supposed to keep things moving along smoothly. Or, you know, as I try to moderate a service or if you've tried to moderate a class, you try to keep things flowing well. If you're trying to moderate a discussion, you know, now some of our presidential debates and you got the moderator, he's not really doing a swell job. No, no, he's making a point, right? He's not moderate. <laughs> he's not moderating. Anyways, I'm, I'm off. Okay, here we go. It's restraint of your passions. Let your restraint of passions be known to all men. Wouldn't that be helpful in the world that's chaotic here tonight? That's at strife, at war with one another. Wouldn't it be good for a lost world to say, you know, that church right there, that's a church that's getting along and it's, their passions aren't out of control where they're fighting one another. But I'll tell you, I walked in there and man, they were loving one another. It's good. Here, here's a key word, okay? Gentle. Gentleness. Let your gentleness be known to all men. If you, if you look up some other places where this word moderation is used, you'll find it one place will really just solve a lot of what we're talking about right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number one, where it talks about the meekness. Listen to this. Now I, Paul, I'll just read it to you. Okay. You don't have to turn there, but if you want to check it out later, 2 Corinthians 10, one, I, pardon me, I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness. And here's the word gentleness of Christ. So let the gentleness, so, so it's the Christian, it's a true Christ-like characteristic. Oh man, I wish I could get this across to everybody here in a way that would just, and I think you're getting it. Is everybody getting it? All right. Let your Christian gentleness be known to all people. Let your Christian character, let that shine to everybody. Let them see that you are just like your Savior in the way that you deal with things. And Jesus never compromised, but wasn't he gentle? Wasn't he gracious? Could we say it this way in a right way? Wasn't he a gentleman? Wasn't he a gentleman? And, and so what we need here at Southwest Baptist Church is a church full of gentlemen and gentle ladies. How's that? Ladies and gentlemen. I mean, just people that are really treating one another right. Being gentle with one another. Gracious is another word I saw. Another word I saw. I mean, a lot of, a lot of work went into trying to define what is moderation right here. And, and one was this forbearing one another. Well, it all kind of fits together, doesn't it? If you're gentle with one another, then you'll be forbearing, putting up with some things. Not blasting somebody or mean-spirited about things. It's the opposite of strife. It's kindness. It's a friendly disposition. It's 
it's being equitable. It's being reasonable. Be, let, let your reasonableness be known of all men. Aren't these good traits that ought to be known about a church? Man, that church is reasonable. That church is equitable. That church is kind. That church is friendly. That church is loving. That church is gracious. That church is gentle. That, unfortunately, there are churches that are not gentle. Gen by the way, gentle doesn't mean weak, unless you're ready to call Jesus weak. Right? That doesn't fit. Uh, no, he, he was firm, and yet gentle. You think we could use some more of that? Sure we could. Um, I read John Phillips. He said this. It's the word speaks of selflessness. Let, let your selflessness be made known to all people. Wouldn't it be wonderful if all churches were known for selflessness? Unfortunately, sometimes churches are more notorious for selfishness. The word speaks of selflessness, of a spirit ready to yield in anything that is simply of self for the Lord's sake. And so what Paul is saying is don't be known for your conflict. Euodius, Syntyche, don't be known for that. Isn't it sad? I mean, really, we know they're servants of the Lord, but what are we most known for? their strife. Aren't you glad God didn't record your name in his eternal preserved word for your strife? But let me ask you this. You may not be in the pages of the inspired word, but you'll be known for something. Will you be known for strife or you'll be known for peace? There's, there's a few other places the word is used that could really be a help to if you re really wanted to do a study on the word. Second, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 3. It's, about, it's to be used about a pastor, how a pastor is supposed to be patient. Patient. Um, not a brawler, not a fighter. Uh, not, not covetous. Um, and then it, it's used of church members, how that uh, the pastor is supposed to put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers. But here's the word, gentle. Gentle. Do they know you as gentle, you know, at the workplace? Or are you the person that's kind of bullying your way around? Do they know you as gentle at, on the ball court? <laughs> I'm not saying wimpy. I think Christians ought to play hard. Play aggressive. I'm all for that. You know, if it's baseball, steal bases. That's only stealing that preachers ought to do, right? Stealing bases, hitting the ball hard, you know, running hard. I mean, all that's fine, but not getting in somebody's face. Hmm. Gentle. How about um, James 3? James 3, 17 talks about the wisdom that is from above is first pure, peaceable. Here it is again, the same word. Same word as moderation in, in Philippians chapter 3, 4. Gentle. The wisdom that's from above. The wisdom that is earthly, sensual, devilish, that's where there's strife. But the wisdom that's from above says, okay, let's talk about this and let's get to some resolution on it. That's peaceable. It's gentle. Servants, he says, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 18. 
Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle. So that says to a boss, he ought to be gentle. I, I endeavor to be gentle, you know, as a, as a man that's trying to oversee things. If you're a boss, I think you ought to be gracious and reasonable and helpful, you know. And Brother Mark Dick's here tonight, and, and, um, and he's our office manager, and his number one job, as it was told to me, as I became office manager here many years ago, Brother Sam told me this. He said, here's your number one job. You got one job. Don't make the ladies cry. That was it. Don't make the secretaries cry. Betsy was a secretary during that time and Grace. Uh, well, Merlo now, different ones like that. That was my number one job, Brother Mark. Isn't that right? And I pass that on him. Just don't make them cry. Now, if they cry on their own, you're not at fault there. <laughs> but he ought to be gentle in that he is. All right, let me close with some application right here. Men, would you agree with me here tonight that as husbands, we need to be gentle with our wives? Obviously, there's a lot of abuse that goes on. There's a lot of verbal abuse that goes on, but we need to be gentle, thoughtful, not always proving her wrong, making her feel bad. And I've been guilty along the way, and I had to ask for forgiveness. Any other husbands here tonight join me on this, or I'm on my own? I mean, I'm feeling like I'm on my own right here. Come on, man, help me out here. There's times we're not gentle. We need to be gentle. And, and, and that applies to a wife as well, being gentle towards her, her spouse and not contentious or cantankerous or mean-spirited or I'm, I'm just telling you this will help families do a lot better be gentle let let your gentleness and your christian family be known man that that husband and wife it's not like they're one way at church in a different way now we're all going to have issues because again come on now we are partially sanctified people and christians have trouble in marriages just like everybody else do it does and we got to work through that but if we rejoice in the Lord and let our gentleness or moderation be known to all men and remember the Lord's at hand and that means He's coming to hold us accountable and He's coming again. In fact, I like what John Phillips said. Let me read one more quote from John Phillips. Who would want to be caught in the rapture from the middle of a bitter argument against another Christian? Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, you're just really laying into somebody, giving them a piece of your mind. Poof. Hey. <laughs> The Lord's at hand. The Lord is near. That's what it means. The Lord is near. Well, He's present. He's never not present in our lives. And He's coming. Okay? Be gentle with your kids, those of you that are parents. Be gentle with your kids. Amen? Kids are here tonight. Appreciate it when your mom and dad try to be understanding. And I'm not saying compromising parents. That's not what we're to do and just let them do whatever they want to do. No, that's not it either. But we can be gentle. Um, some have said it this way. It's really helpful stuff. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. You know, but as a parent, I've had to ask for forgiveness because I just jumped to conclusions or I jumped into my way of thinking about it. And I should have been more gentle. Gentle. Um, in fact, um, one individual said this. In fact, he divided these three verses into these, these ways. Rejoice, relax, and rest. It's a pretty good outline. Uh, Chuck Swindoll actually is the one that said that. Rejoice in the Lord. Relax. <laughs> Let your moderation be known to him. Relax. Simmer down. He said it this way. Every now and then during one of my high tension moments, one of his kids would say, Dad, just take a deep breath. You take a deep breath and a forbearing spirit, he said, would, would come back. Sometimes we just need to relax. And he said this. 
especially if your kids are junior hires. Relax. Relax. <laughs> he said, whom I have a friend who calls them pre-people. <laughs> Anyways, pre-people. <laughs> Relax. Be gentle. We need a dose of that, don't we? Be gentle. And of course, as we've already tried to emphasize throughout the message, and I appreciate the way that you've listened tonight, but with fellow members of this church, being gentle. Yeah, I mean, it... Um, it's not worth losing a friendship over. It's not worth losing a church member over. I mean, you, you, there's things we've got to work through. There's doctrine we've got to stand for. There's, there's application of doctrine that we've got to stand for. All those things, but, but really, hey, come on now. Let your, forbearance, let your forbearance, let your gentleness, let your moderation be known unto all men. Let's be known for that, not for our fights. Splits. Be at peace with your friends and spiritual leadership that God has put in your life, and fellow church members and family, because the Lord is coming soon. I'm going to conclude um, with these three statements. Paul reminded the church in Philippi that they could have peace inward and outward by rejoicing in the Lord and relating well with each other. That's it. Rejoice in the Lord. That's the beginning of it. Rejoice in the Lord and relate well with one another. And so we can be known for peace. If we'll rejoice in the Lord, it all begins right there. If having strife with someone, go back to verse 4. Are you rejoicing in the Lord? Who's, who's not rejoicing? Okay, let me, if you haven't strife with somebody, let me just give you that application, okay? Are right, you at strife with someone? Who in that situation is not rejoicing in the Lord? If you say, oh, that's easy. That's them. <laughs> go back to verse 4 again. Because somewhere we're all not rejoicing. Lord, and that'll help to get things resolved. We'll be known for peace if we'll be at peace with the Lord and with each other. And I conclude with this final statement. You know, tonight was supposed to be our business meeting. Okay, so that's the reason I'm, I've worded it this way. <clears throat> peace is the Lord's business. Isn't that what they announced? The angelic beings proclaimed peace on earth, goodwill toward men, peace on earth, peace with God and man, peace between man and man. It's really the only way that it'll work. Okay, let me go back and say it again. Peace is the Lord's business in our midst. If that's his business, don't work for the competitor. Did you catch me? If that's the Lord's business, and it is, to have peace here, don't work for the competitor. Who's his competitor? Well, the enemy, Satan, the adversary, who, as I read from Genesis to Revelation, and I observe life, and I've observed my own life, here's his chief tactic. Division. Dividing between God and man. Dividing between husband and wife. Dividing between parents and children. Dividing between friends, church members, etc., etc., etc. He is a divider. God is truly a, uni a uniter without compromise. 
bringing it together. Peace is the Lord's business in our midst. Don't, don't clock in for the competitor. Yeah. So let's stand together here tonight. I invite you to have a time of invitation right here at these altars, right there at your family altar, at your home. Take some time to ask God to help us where we're known and where we're not known for peace. Heavenly Father, tonight I just come to you. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together. Even under these circumstances, Lord, not the most favorable, but we're glad to get to be here and glad for the technology that allows others to watch and be a part as well. And Lord, um, we know that at your will, this church would just stand fast for the faith in the faith and stand together united. I pray, dear God, that you'd help us, that you'd help, that you'd heal us, that you'd prevent Satan from getting a foothold here. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. We're going to sing tonight an invitation song, page 481, Search Me. Would you, would you pray that even as you sing it? Search me, O God, and let God speak to your heart even as we sing.